Thank you, Max. You did a wonderful job with that scripture reading. Well, it's a joy to be able to come together on this Christmas morning and worship together and come to the Word of the Lord. Um, I don't exactly know what that sign behind me is supposed to mean, because we actually, you know, believe that Jesus has said, uh, blessed are you who believe and yet have not seen. Um, and that is all of us. I mean, we who do believe it, we haven't seen uh, Jesus with our eyes, but uh, we're told that faith comes by hearing, and hearing that of the word of the Lord. And so we actually get to come to God's word this morning. And so won't you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you for your incarnation. And this very familiar story that, that we know, Lord, remind us of the gospel truth in this. Warm our hearts. In Jesus, your name we pray. Amen. Well, apparently the uh, royal family, uh, one of them, United States recently, and uh, they were apparently at a Boston Celtics game, and uh, like many, I was like, so what? And uh, I guess that was a big deal, because they never come to the United States, and uh, I guess it was really special, Uh, um, but I I don't really understand why we care so much about the British royal family. I mean, we fought a war with them 200 some years ago, uh, and so they're not our royalty anymore. Um, But the Boston Celtics coach, he was asked um, about their coming. The Boston Celtics coach, he's actually the youngest coach in basketball right now. Um, And he's of the same mind as I was. And a reporter asked him, this reporter said, I have a non-basketball question. Did you get to meet the royal family? And if not, how was it like, how was it having them in the very building? And uh, straight-faced, the coach responds, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph? <laughs> and the reporter awkwardly chuckles and says, um, I mean the prince and princess of Wales. And the coach says, still without cracking a smile, he says, ah, no, I did not. I'm only familiar with one royal family. I don't know too much about that one. Uh, and that is how it should be, right? Uh, but, but the thing is, we lose our minds when royalty enters the building or when celebrities enter the building or important people enter. We, we go bonkers. We, we ask questions like, what was it like for them being in the building with you? We notice. And yet 2,000 years ago, the royal family entered the building. And it was like we barely noticed. That the birth of Christ the Lord was in fact the most important event in the history of the universe. And it was revealed to shepherds on a normal night for everybody else. So my message for today is going to be short and simple. Is that the king stooped. The king of glory stooped down and he entered the building. But we didn't even hardly notice. This is the king of glory. Luke explains this to us, and he goes into great detailed account of this history. And it's recorded as history, interestingly, because he says, when Quirinius was governor of Syria, 
he notices these very specific details and he goes into specifics saying that he was uh, uh, to understanding the royal pedigree that Joseph came from, so to speak. And always important for kings to know what their pedigree was. And we see this here that he's talking about the, the royal pedigree of Jesus when we reference David and the angels calling him Christ the Lord. It's interesting because in God's providence, the tax assessors, they want everyone in Rome assessed. And Joseph has to return to Bethlehem, the city of David, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And the angels go on to tell the shepherds, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, a savior who is Christ the Lord. Why does that matter? Of the house and lineage of David in the city of David. There's many reasons, but let's just say this one, that David, if you know the history of the Old Testament, David was the greatest king in the Old Testament. He was a man after God's own heart, and he defended the people, and he led the people to worship God. There are many psalms from David, and God had promised that there would be a king. Oh, I'm like wrapped up all weird um, and there would be a king after the line of David who would be the king of kings and so when you hear in the city of David uh, shall be born to you someone from the house and lineage of David what you should be hearing in your alarms are going off the king, the king, the king that he is, and it says that he is born for us that he is Christ the Lord and this is an important term that the angels are saying. He's Christ the Lord, this King. That He is the coming Messiah that they're waiting for. That He would, as this Messiah, which is what Christ means, He would be three things. He would be for us a prophet. And He would be a priest. And He would be a king. And this is how he will be the Savior who redeems his people. And so what this is saying is that this king who is coming, he is of highest royalty, nobility, and honor. That as Christ the Lord, he's not just the one that the prophecies were all about. He is the prophet who reveals us our salvation because he is the one revealed. He is the priest who will not just offer sacrifices, but he will be the sacrifice for us to bridge the gap between God and man. And he is the king, the promised son of David, that David, this great king, was but a mere shadow of this king who was coming. One of the most important uh, psalms of the kings, of the Messiah, is Psalm 10, where David says this, the king says, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. That this child born in the city of David is the Lord of King David. This child is the king of all kings who sits at the right hand of God. And as we read in Isaiah chapter 9, that his throne and his dominion will be forever and ever and ever. That's what the, that is what Luke is telling us. That this baby is the king of glory. 
He's the king of glory. And so what this means for us, this is the most important and purposeful thing in our life. That we worship this king of glory. You see, in our modern, in our secular world, we have a crisis of meaning, a crisis of purpose. And as we think about this holiday season, season, all the good gifts and food and family time and vacations and rest from work, apart from our purpose in glorifying this king, we are just left feeling flat, ultimately. This is our purpose. To worship this king. It says suddenly there were with the angels a heavenly host. That is a heavenly army praising God and saying glory to God in the highest. That this is the purpose. That these beings worship the king of glory. Because he is true royalty. That he has highest authority and power and dominion. And he is worthy of great honor and respect and our worship. And so we find the whole sum of our purpose and joy in worshiping this king of glory. As one of the songs we're going to sing after this is, says, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descending comes our homage to command our worship. He commands our worship because he's the one who sits on the throne of David forever. That the seraphim and cherubim hide their faces. The angels hide their faces from the presence of the Lord while singing, Alleluia, Lord Most High. But if we were there in that moment with the shepherds, it would have been terrifying glory. Although the world would barely notice. Yet there's nothing more important than worshiping this king of glory. This is where you and I will find our purpose. Is in worshiping and being devoted to, devoting our life to this king. That he is one greater than you that you should honor and give your life to. And this is the irony. That there's nothing more important that has happened in the history of the universe than the coming of this king of glory. And at the same time. He's so easily missed. He was so easily missed then, and he's easily missed by our hustle and bustle of the holiday season. He's the king of glory. But we forget, uh, Upton Sinclair, about a hundred years ago, he said this about Christmas. And this is a Christmas curmudgeon quote. He says, or consider Christmas. Could Satan in his most malignant mood have devised a worse combination of graft plus bunkum than the system whereby several hundred million people get a billion or so gifts for which they have no use and some thousands of shop clerks die of exhaustion while selling them and every other child in the Western world is made ill from overeating all in the name of the lowly Jesus. It's easy to miss the king of glory. That he is the king of glory. He is our prophet, our priest, and our king who is worthy of worship. He's the one that gives you purpose. So don't lose sight of that in the hustle and bustle. And we marvel at this king of glory. And we give him worship because this king of glory stooped. He stooped down. 
into our lives, into this world. Now, some of you may love fairy princesses. Some of you like fairy princesses. You like fairy princesses. Yes. Now, I'll tell you about a, a real-life fairy princess. Uh, there was a, a, a princess named Diana. She was the princess of Wales. Uh, she lived a long, long time ago in the 1990s. And many people said she was very beautiful. And in fact, her son will one day be the king of England. Um, except for sadly, we were reminded that she died in 1997 in a tragic car accident. But she was loved by many across the world. And one of the reasons that Princess Diana was so loved was because of her advocacy work. That she cared for people who didn't have the things that she had. And that she would come alongside those who had no status. And she seemed to have really cared about people. That she would, uh, she would have known to like, go to hospitals where people would be so disfigured by diseases. That they would have a stench. And, and the symptoms of their diseases would, would cause distress even for the doctors that were treating them. And sometimes cameras would follow her and she'd be embracing these disfigured people. And we wonder, well, was she being genuine? And by all of the accounts, she actually was, that when there would be no cameras around, she would not even hesitate to hold and caress and hug disfigured people, the wretches of the earth. And I think this is one of the big reasons why Princess Diana was so admired, that she was a real-life, beautiful princess who would come alongside the most wretched people. Because we recognize that what makes majesty and glory so incredible is that sometimes majesty stoops down. And this is the smallest, teeniest picture of what Christ the Lord has done. That the king of highest glory, he stooped down so low. Not only did he come alongside the wretches of the earth, he became one of no account. You see, the king's sign is that he would be a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger, in a stable, and made known to only shepherds. That he is the king of kings, yet born of Mary and laid in an animal feeding trough. This is stooping down. That the one who sits on his glorious throne and all the nations will gather before him one day is born a helpless child of no account in this world and ignored except for by some dirty shepherds. That these shepherds who, are, who are, would have been dirty are further proof of the extent to which the king of glory stoops down that he came for them. See, shepherds in the ancient world were the most disregarded group besides lepers. And this is ironic because we know in the Bible that shepherds have a high place. That King David was a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. But in real life, they were despised and considered even dangerous. As Phil Riken, he says, we tend to romanticize shepherds, especially since there's a lot of good ones in the Bible, but they did not enjoy a good reputation because they lived out in the fields they were unable to keep the ceremonial laws. So they were outcasts. 
And they were also regarded as, li as liars and thieves, which is why their testimony was not admissible in a court of law. Other than the shepherds, uh, than lepers, shepherds were the lowest class of men in Israel and they were despised. This, these are the people who are revealed, who, who the king of glory is shown to. So that for you and me, it doesn't matter how dirty we are or how much sin we have or how low we think we are or how bad, bad of a reputation we have. Jesus became the wretched of the earth for you and for me and for the shepherds. So Merry Christmas, receive him that he was born for you. No matter your sin, no matter your shame, no matter your status. Because if salvation was for these shepherds and revealed to them, salvation is for you and for me and for everyone who you love who does not know him yet. That the king of glory stoops down for you. And this is so important that Luke brings together both of these truths in one story right here. See, in our, in our modern world, we really, I think we're drawn to the idea that Jesus came lowly, that he stooped down. We like the thought that he is approachable, which he is. But the problem is that we can concentrate so much on his stooping that we have lost sight, maybe, of his royalty and his kingship. And in this story, what we're shown is that it is a combination that counts, that he is glorious and he comes low. That the most high king of glory and of omnipotent power stoops to become helpless. That we would lose sight of the biblical message if we don't hold these together. That we are actually talking about the very holy God that stoops down. That when people meet this holy God in the Bible, they hide their face in terror because of the majesty. If you remember in the Old Testament, in Exodus 3, when God had planned to rescue his people Israel from their slavery and from their, uh, their time in Egypt, he shows himself to Moses in a burning bush. And in Exodus 3, it says, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. But then the Lord said, I have seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings and I have come down to deliver them. That is the key. That the holy, glorious God on high has come down to deliver us. And that's what Luke is telling us, that Christ the Lord, born of Mary, is laid in a manger. That God has heard of our affliction and your pain and your sin. And God has come down to deliver. This is good news. And this is what sets apart our Christian faith from every other faith and every other religion. See, in every other religion, philosophy, social media influencer, what have you, 
We're shown a path. You're giving a teaching or a moral way to live that will help you ascend to glory. But that is wearisome and burdensome. It's a project of self-salvation that we can never attain to because we are too weak of ourselves. We are sinful and we are broken. We wallow in our sin and misery and we cannot ascend to the holy mountain of God. But the incarnation of Jesus says that what you and I could not do, He has done. That you and I cannot make our way up to Him, so He has come down to deliver us from all our sin. The King of glory stooped down. That in Jesus, God Himself has come down to deliver us. And this is good news of great joy that is for all the people. He's given for you. So receive Him. Merry Christmas. Let's pray.